This podcast contains graphic descriptions that some listeners may find disturbing. Listener discretion is advised. Now, with that being said, welcome to the Mortal Musings podcast. Right, let's do this. Remember that time you were the chipper and you were called out for being English? I wasn't called out. Well. She said it to her fella very quietly. And that was my first night in this country. Yeah, what, what was it? that you were? They just ordered or whatever. They're waiting to pay. And then you ordered. She heard your accent and just went, he's English. Yeah, I was going to pay for that. As if it was an affliction. I was going to pay for their meal. And then I heard that. Why would you pay for their meal? Because their card kept declining. I bet you're fucking delighted now, aren't you? <laughs> I was just being nice. Um, yeah, she went, <clears throat> this is exactly how she said it. Are you ready? He, he's English. That's sick. <laughs> According to statistics, the average person walks past 36 murderers in their lifetime. <laughs> Oh my God, she was murdered. It was a murder? Unlike in Hollywood movies, they're not easy to spot. Where is she, buddy? Where is she? The devil made me turn her to ashes. They seamlessly blend into our everyday lives, assuming roles as friendly neighbors, helpful colleagues, or even the person lying beside you each night. I wanted to be out of jail. I couldn't wait till I got out. I was in there with someone who was clearly psychopathic. Using investigative research and primary audio, Morbidology is an award-winning true crime podcast that shines a light on the darkest corners of humanity. Through our investigation, we have attained evidence which we are not releasing at this time, which leads us to believe Jolene is not alive. Tune in to Morbidology each week across all podcast platforms. Right, so today's episode, we are going to do, um, as I would say, one of the bigger boys in true crime. Uh, The case. No. Uh, This is the case for me that really, really piqued my interest in true crime and uh, turned me into a bit of a nutbag with true crime. Just that I I was fascinated by it. I know who this is then. You do. Today, we are covering Ed. Gein. One of the big boys, as I said. Um, fascinating case. Um, majority of people who are into true crime will know this fairly well, I would say. But and if you any of you who call him a serial killer, you're wrong. But yeah, like whether whether you know this case um from top to bottom or you know the base details, we will we'll tell it to you in our own way. And see, by that I don't mean I'm just going to make up shite because I think it sounds good. <laughs> you can just hear our perspective on it. So... How was... Uh, well, mine and Neil's just going to go, you what? Throughout it, or he did what? So, we'll get into it. So, Edward Theodore Gein was born in La Crosse, Wisconsin in 1906. And he was the second child born to parents George and Augusta. And... Eddie had an older brother and his name was Henry and he was born in 1901. Now, a bit about his parents. His father, George, was an alcoholic. He struggled to hold down a job 
And he, he didn't really seem to have a massive influence on it. But with that being said, it would be hard to compete with the likes of Augusta. Do you remember anything about Augusta, Neil? Well, he, he was fucking obsessed with uh, but he, he was. He did just, just a little bit now. Didn't, was it he wanted to impress her or please her or... He, he idolised her, you know. So, yeah. Augusta. Augusta. <laughs> so, his mother, Augusta, she was a religious fanatic. She was self-righteous. She was domineering. And she would drill her belief system into her sons. Now, one of her beliefs was that women were promiscuous and um, basically they're just, just, just up to no good. I, I I agree. Apart from her, she was a saint. Okay, <laughs> but yeah, no women. They're just fucking. Um. Now, before I move on from that, <clears throat> Neil, mm. would you like to share what you uh, started shiting on about in your sleep one time? My what? There was one time. Uh, well, you can't say it for fact because you were asleep. Oh, actually, the, I told the, you. Sorry, let me just add this mm-hmm. before you say it. This is when me and Megan first met. I think I wasn't it living. Was... I, I wasn't living <clears throat> over here. No, no, yeah, it was right at the start of our relationship. Uh, do you do you want to take it or lie? Well, you're the one who heard it. Okay, yeah, y- yeah. You're just uh, going off my word. I could yeah. be lying to you. Yeah. So basically. Like I said, he could be acting bollocks. It was this was right at the start of our relationship, uh, so maybe I'm the bigger tick that I'm still here. After he came <laughs> out with this shite, he's asleep. I'm sat up watching TV, and Neil talks quite a bit in his sleep. And this was one of the first things I ever heard him say: "Don't drink with women; they're no good." I now, <laughs> when he said this to me, I was like, "What?" Like, I I thought he was, like, waking up and it was going to be some joke coming. No, it's don't drink with women. They're no good. Yeah. So I think you would have uh, <clears throat> hit it off with Augusta. I shared I, some of the same values. I wish I know. I, I don't. I wish I knew what I was dreaming. Quite often when you start talking shit in your sleep, I'll be like, who said that? Why did you go there? What's happening? To try and see if I can get more of a story out of you. Sometimes you will and other times you just, you look annoyed. there's too much questioning going on here but anyway yeah Neil and Augusta same values they're great together they you know clearly they would have hit it off had they met yeah yeah fabulous woman (laughs) so going hand in hand with the fact that women are all apparently promiscuous and no good she believed that sex was purely for procreation and should not be enjoyed all right she obviously weren't with the right man. Well, George wasn't doing it for her. So by 1915, the Gein family decided to move from La Crosse to Plainfield, Wisconsin. And it was said that his mother wanted to move away from the city. Um, well, you, you know, the city's like, it's full of sinners. It's just no good. All those women. Yeah, because you don't get women out in back house of nowhere. No, no. <laughs> city equals bad. So after this move, like I said, they ended up in Plainfield on a very isolated farm, which was perfect for uh, 
Augusta's views because, you know, she seemed to want them cut off from any kind of normality or socialization. So she was uh, living her dream, it seems. Mm. They only really left their residence to attend school and Ed was said to have been a more timid child, socially awkward, as you could guess from his upbringing. Um, and yeah, Ed, Ed would end up forming a very close bond with his mother and it was said that he idolised her. Now, the same can't be said for his brother, Henry. Henry did not agree with his mother's viewpoints and he would often speak out against her beliefs that she tried to reinforce in them. I bet he got clouted. It's just, it's interesting, isn't it? Because it's the same family, you know, same household and you've got one goes this way, one goes that way. Yeah. You know what I mean? What was the, what was the father's beliefs? Uh, I mean, he, like I said, he didn't seem to have a massive impact. He was very kind of overshadowed by Augusta, which, you know, it's, how, how can you stand up next to her like w- regardless of her beliefs whether you agree with them or not which I'm guessing majority of you I hope fucking don't um, she was clearly very strong and uh, stood by what she believed in mm. go on well like you're saying she's very strong but I'm mm. very stubborn like yeah but maybe George wasn't maybe George like I'm fucking sick of hearing this I'm, just, <laughs> I'm gonna go for a fucking go for a fucking jar like can't be dealing with this <laughs> So, moving on to 1940, this was when Ed's father, George, passed away from heart failure, and that was due to alcoholism. No shit. <laughs> no, he had a little bit of a problem with the drink. If you're in Ireland, that's what you say about an alcoholic. It's this, they're, they're not an alcoholic. It's not an addiction. They're it's just, slave to the it's, drink. They're slave to it. <laughs> it's just all, it's, all, it's always just, he's got a little bit of a problem. A little bit of a thing for the drink. <laughs> now, he was only 66 when he died. So after his father's death, Ed and Henry would contribute financially to the household. Uh, Ed would often babysit kids in the area as well as doing some handyman work. You okay? Wait, people let him babysit the kids? Oh, yeah. The children? Yeah, yeah. Edward Gein. Eddie! no one's gonna want to listen to this (laughs) little ed yeah because you got to remember we know the sus yeah but he was known as the the simple of the area the simple no no they did yeah yeah he did yeah he would have been described as like you know so what the fuck are they doing letting him look after the children because to them he was harmless might be harmless but if they're calling him simple like yeah, but they didn't. We we know the gory details now, but back then it was, like, you didn't think any harm would come to your child. But okay, hang on. Sorry, can we let's stop for a sec? Just think back to even eighties. Some of the shit that parents were getting away with with their kids. Some of the shit my parents got away with. Yeah, and I was born in eighty nine. Yeah, now doesn't seem so fucking strange now, does it? My parents got clowns for my fucking sixth birthday, and I'm terrified of him. Your parents would probably advertise for Ed Gein to be a babysitter. They'd be promoting him all over town. (laughs) So we're going to move on to the next death in the family. And that was on the 16th of May in 1944. So just four years on from the father's death. Ed and Henry were 
out on their property and they were burning vegetation when the fire got out of hand. Now, the fire department were later called and they managed to extinguish the fire, but afterwards there was no sign of Henry. August did it. Augusta. What? Augusta. The mother. Yeah. No. So, Ed would... (laughs) No. Ed would report his brother missing. And a search party was sent out and they later found the body of Henry Gein. That's the brother? That's his brother, yeah. Okay. He was found face down and thought to have died from heart failure as there was no burns or injuries found on the body at that moment in time. But Harold Schechter, have you heard of him? Shipton? Harold Schechter? No. <laughs> no, Harold Schechter, uh, he's an author. And, uh, he loves a bit of true crime. Okay. Oh, he loves it. He's wrote books on, obviously, Eddie, H.H. Uh, H. Holmes, Albert Fish, and more. He, he, You know, like I said, Eddie a, is a big boy in true crime. He, He's a big boy in true crime books. Okay. Loves it. So, he later said that there were bruises found on... Henry's head, but authorities dismissed that claim. Yeah, because he's a lad. What do you mean? Well, how old were he? Uh, 44, so he would have been, what, late 30s? Okay. <laughs> I was going to say, as a kid, you know, you're falling out of trees, you Yeah, no, no, he was a grown man. Okay. <laughs> So with that being said, the official cause of death is listed as asphyxiation, but there was never an official investigation into this and no autopsy was performed. It's all a bit sus, isn't it? It's a bit dodgy. Yeah, but have you seen footage of what that area was like? They wouldn't have had any autopsy technicians. Oh, no, like, because it was a smaller community. police wouldn't have been trained. Yeah, but like... Now, because of all of this, it is speculated that Ed caused his brother's death. I I think it's fairly widely believed that Ed caused his brother's death. Do you think the mother told him to? Um, maybe. I I don't think so. Now, like, this theory, as you've just said, is made more convincing by the fact that Ed worshipped his mother. Um, not only did his brother not share in the worship, but would actually go against her worldviews. So I personally believe it's, you know, he spoke negatively about her and it got to Ed. Yeah. But it could be what you said. I, I don't think so, but, you know, agree to disagree. <laughs> it's become a bit of a fucking uh, slogan of ours, hasn't it? Well, apparently mine's. What? What? Huh? Thanks for that. That's another one of yours. <laughs> so after the death of his father and now his brother, it was just Eddie and his mother. Uh, shortly after Henry's death, though, Augustus suffered from a paralyzing stroke. So... Like I said, it was just Ed and his mother and he was dedicated to her, you know, and now she needed some some caregiving. But yeah. Eddie was there. Eddie was more than willing to do it. But in 1945, she suffered a second stroke. And with that, her health was deteriorating rapidly and she would die at the age of 67. Now, 
You can only imagine how devastated Ed would have been. Well, we wouldn't be here if <laughs> shit didn't go down. Exactly. exactly. Like, he was. He was devastated. He loved her so much. And what's he to do now? What, what's he to do? She's gone. He's all on his own. You know, he, he, he idolized her that much. He literally boarded up her room and kept it as, as like a shrine to her. You know? Yeah. It was just in memory of her. So, with that being said, Eddie starts to become a bit uh, undone. He was left with his own devices and um, shit got interesting. So, we're going to jump forward a little bit to November 16, 1957. Bernice Warden, she was the owner of a local hardware store and she went missing. Bernice Warden's son, Deputy Sheriff Frank Warden, entered the hardware store to find that the cash register had been left open and that there were bloodstains on the floor. Now, obviously, this caused him great concern. Um, and while Ed was in the store last, he had said that he would return for a gallon of antifreeze. And the last sales receipt written by Bernice was for a gallon of antifreeze Dated the morning of her disappearance. What the fuck did he need a gallon of antifreeze for? Uh, I, I don't know. What do people use antifreeze for on a farm? Do I look like I've worked on a farm? I don't know. You're from Yorkshire. There's loads of fields and shit there. You live in Ireland. Yeah, but like you're from Yorkshire. Like it's literally just fields. Isn't it? That's all you've got there. You've got like a... Like, there's like a shop on the corner, isn't there? Um, Are you winding else? me up? <laughs> You what? You're trying to wind me up. <laughs> Fucking three quarters of Ireland is green. It's beautiful here. It's beautiful. Uh, do you know why there's so much green? Because it's always pissing it down. It's plenty of water. No, I just can't. A, a gallon of antifreeze. That's that's a lot. I don't know what you'd what you'd use it for. It might might be normal, but anyway, like the main focus is the fact that he knew Ed said he was coming back, and he's seen the sales receipt dated that morning. So he's like, "The fuck's he been up to?" Yeah. So Frank Warden would tell investigators that Ed had been in the shop and that he said he would return for the antifreeze, and how the details matched the last sales receipt. So with that, police arrested Ed Gein. So. After the arrest, the police commenced searching Ed Gein's home. Now, if you know anything about this case, you know the absolute fuckery that went on in that house. Um, I'm pretty sure there's more than what I actually know. Uh, well, let me refresh your memory. Okay. Now, like I said, they started searching his home. They were not prepared for what they would find. I don't think fucking anyone could be. So while searching Ed's home, the following was reportedly found. Remains of Mary Hogan. Now, Mary Hogan was a local tavern owner and she had disappeared on the 8th of December, 1954. So that's gone back a few years. Mm. So imagine finding that. You'd be like, oh shit. Two solved in one go. Now, the remains of Mary Hogan included a face mask of her that had been found. Uh, sources said different things, but I also saw that it said her skull was found in a box. In a box? In a box. 
like her fa- like a, a mask made out you know the skin of her face yeah and then also i heard that uh, a skull her skull was found in a box okay either way it wasn't good <laughs> he'd been interfering with the body and it, it shouldn't have done that yeah okay Whole human bones and fragments were also found. A wastebasket made of human skin. Several chairs upholstered with human skin. Uh, skulls were found on his bedposts. Female skulls, some with the tops sawn off. And he had made the skulls into bowls. Human skulls for his cereal and whatnot. Actually, I'll tell you what was more likely. Apparently he was a massive fan of uh, sausage and beans. Pork and beans. That's like, oh, like that the was tins yeah that, shit. that's like what he ate like once his mother died and he's on his own that's pretty much what he lived off apparently so look, that look there's a, a lot of us guys out there <laughs> if we didn't have a partner we'd be <laughs> yeah grow the fuck up but the only thing I'll say for you is at least you're not eating them out of a human fucking skull no we'd eat them out of the tin <sighs> well it's still better than a human yeah, skull yeah. isn't it. <laughs> Uh, some other bits that were found. A corset made from a female torso skinned from shoulders to waist. Leggings made from human leg skin. Masks made from the skin of female heads. Uh, and also Bernice Warden's entire head in a burlap sack. Bernice Warden's heart found, quote, in a plastic bag near the stove. Nine vulvas in a shoebox. Uh, what the fuck's a vulva? Like, skin around the vagina. Lips? Yeah. What did you say lips? A very uh, well-known item. I think this was kind of one of the... If you don't know the case well, you probably have heard of this at least. A belt made from female nipples. That's one I can remember. Hmm. Yeah, it was a big one. Uh, four noses. A pair of lips on a window shade drawstring. Now, did, when when you, when they say on the drawstring, was that, did it look like he just placed in there or was it like part of an intricate design? Do you know what I mean? I don't, I don't know. You'd have to ask Eddie. A lampshade made from the skin of a human face. Fingernails from female fingers. What? Yeah. So, what are we going to do with fingernails? I don't know. Maybe he was going to stick them on to gloves or something. Mm. I don't know. You'd have to ask Eddie. So, as if that isn't, you know, horrifying enough, um, there was even more. But wait, there's more. <laughs> In Ed's shed, they found the body of Bernice Warden hung upside down by ropes. And how, how the body had been left, it was similar to how hunters would string up a deer. Uh, the torso was slit open. Uh, apparently it's called dressing out, which is the process of removing the entrails and internal organs to cool down the body faster. I didn't know that. I learned something. Hmm. I don't go hunting. But now if you do... You know what to do. Yeah, now we know. Bernice had been shot with a twenty-two calibre rifle. So, during questioning, Ed confessed to investigators that between 1947 and 1952, 
He made as many as 40 trips between three different graveyards, all in the middle of the night. While in what he described as a daze-like state, he would exhume recently buried bodies. Now, the bodies were usually that of middle-aged women who had a likeness to that of his mother. So, the first grave was that of Eleanor Adams, and her grave was located about 12 feet from Augusta's grave. So I wonder, was it one of those things he was visiting his mother and he's like, you know what I could fucking do? Or had he just noticed her grave and picked it out? It was the first one. Mm. So after confessing to the grave robbings, Ed would lead investigators to these graves. And while examining the graves, some of them were empty and some, Ed had actually returned some of the body parts as well as belongings, you know, such as like, you know, maybe a wedding ring or what have you. He also denied engaging in sexual activity with the corpses, stating, quote, they smelled too bad. Can I, can I speak on that? Of course. So, <clears throat> for part of the research you did for this one was uh, the new Ed Gein documentary. I didn't really watch it like you. I know one episode I fell asleep. Uh but there was, there was one guy I kept seeing and he kept, it, it was like he was fixated on... He was really pushing the narrative of he was a necrophile. Yeah. Yeah. And you were like, there's, like anything you learn from that is, he doesn't like, like, I can't see him lying on about anything. He was so just honest with his answers. Look. My personal opinion on this is that I can fully believe that there is a sexual element to it. I wouldn't be surprised by that. I don't necessarily think that is the be all and end all here, but I, I'm not going to deny, like, I'm not going to be like, no, no. I, I don't believe he was engaging in necrophilia. No. I, I don't think it's, it doesn't seem to make sense to me, for me with everything I, else. For me, I think he was, you know, he was a bit simple and he missed his mum. And he was trying to not build his mum, but like... Well, see, I don't believe that angle either. That That's a very popular one. Like, I, we'll get into that, like, a little bit further down, don't worry. Um... But like you said, you know, who who the fuck am I to say this guy is an expert in this field, you know, but it's just there's so many different kind of like, was it this? Was it that? You know, it's it's such yeah. an interesting case. I just know he was pissing me off every time he was on. <laughs> so while Ed was actually in custody, Sheriff Art Schley was reported to have roughed up Ed. Oh, really? Mm. He got a little bit hands on. Why do I feel like defensive of that? Of Ed. I know. I know. So, the crimes that Ed committed deeply affected Schley. It was one of his first cases as sheriff, and <laughs> what a fucking case to have. Yeah. Not to mention, he was actually friendly with Frank Warden, so there's a personal aspect to it. Schley and his family also lived there, and his daughter said that Ed was always nice, polite, and always said thank you when he received his food. 
so you know like you said like you, it's almost offensive of someone like yeah it, you, you hear people say it's a lot like i know what he did was so bad but on the other hand of just a day-to-day interaction he seemed like such a kind of quiet nice polite person yeah it, it's that whole kind of which quite a lot of serial killers people say that about well yeah you didn't you never thought oh he was lovely i I can't salt of the earth that guy (laughs) but actually that's a funny one because it's always either i never would have expected or i always knew he was a wronging yeah (laughs) yeah Uh, just one other thing about Sheriff Slay as well. He actually died quite young. He was only 43. And he is sometimes described as a victim of Ed Gein's due to the stress that the case put him under. It, it, it really yeah, affected him. I can see that. So, because of Ed's crimes, uh, they actually earned him the nickname the Butcher of Plainfield and the Plainfield Ghoul. 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 Ghost goblins, scary shit. Go. Okay. <laughs> so, like we discussed, you know, the different uh, <clears throat> furnishings he had in his home. He also had a female bodysuit made from skin. Uh, Megan's favourite bit. Uh, I mean, look here, this is as much as I'm as, as fascinated as I am by this case. It's one of the things that freaks me out the most. I don't like. There's a scene in one of the Eggin movies, and it's just when he comes out, fucking in the suit, dancing and pounding on that fucking part. I ah, uh, <laughs> look it. I was done. That was it. That's enough. You know. It was a good movie, though. <laughs> it really was. So, more so, your opinion on why he's done this. It has been said that Ed created this suit as a way to crawl into his mother's skin. That That's more your opinion on it, isn't it? Yeah. It's kind of the mother thing. Nothing sexual, in my eyes. In my opinion, I think this is the more likely thing. So, it's been thought that Ed was interested in gender reassignment surgery. And it was noted by people in the area that Ed was intrigued by Christine Jorgensen and she was a transgender veteran of World War II. So we already know he had a bit of an interest in that. So could that possibly be the angle? Are you are um, you dismissing that or are you open to I didn't know to that. Oh, okay, well. So that's, that's my theory now. Oh, you're switching. It, it was his way of... Like becoming a woman mm. in secret, as because well, it back back then yeah. you couldn't. You would have been mocked. You would have been treated like fucking shit for trying to express yourself. Yeah. Especially if you were wearing women's skin. Well, you can't do that, Ed. <laughs> you can't. You can't be doing that. So, on the twenty first of November, nineteen fifty seven, Ed Gein was arraigned on one count of first degree murder. And he wasn't charged for the murder of Mary Hogan or the crimes of grave robbing. How so? It was out of the budget for the county. Mm. Fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> I know, it's it's crazy, like, but I mean what what can they if they can't afford to do it? Hang I on. Don't know. And don't America say 
Uh, most powerful country in the world. Richest country in the world. See, I don't know how it works. I don't know how, like, if they were to try and, like, uh, appeal for more funding or something. I, I have yeah. no idea the process. But, yeah, that's what was said. It was out Greatest of the budget. country in the world. They couldn't afford <laughs> to send him to trial. No, no, he did go to trial. Not Just for not, them. Yeah, no, not for the other ones, yeah. But it's it's quite common. You see this a lot uh, where someone will get tried for ex, like a serial killer. They'll get tried for one or two. And like some people are like, oh, good enough. They're convicted, send them away. Whereas some people feel like, no, because there wasn't justice for this victim. You need to tell the story of the victim. Yeah, exactly. Which is what we do. We try. <laughs> so Ed pled not guilty by reason of insanity. I think that's fair. Yeah. He was diagnosed with schizophrenia and found mentally incompetent, therefore not fit for trial. He was sent to the Central State Hospital for the Criminally Insane. In 1968, he stood trial as he was then deemed competent. Again, the judge ruled not guilty by reason of insanity. He would spend the rest of his life in a mental hospital. And the thing about it is, this time in the mental hospital was probably the happiest of his life. Yeah. You know, he he would have been taken care of, he would have been warm, fed and, you know, socialised with people. It was, I mean, I don't think there's any question, it would have been the best place for him. Can you imagine being another patient though, right? (laughs) You sat there watching telly or, no, no, you sat playing chess with him and you're laughing and joking and then someone comes up to you and says... Do you know who that is? Do you know what he did? Yeah. Well, one of the workers there actually said about Ed that there wasn't anything malicious in his eyes, just confusion and concern. Yeah. So, again, it's kind of linking back around to, it's just Eddie. It's just Eddie Gein. Yeah, like, you know, when you see see pictures of, like, the likes of Bondi, Dharma, and... They're a bastard. You can say they look fucking evil. Whereas any picture I've seen of Ed Gein, it's not that he looks harmless. He just, he doesn't look... He's he's not fully comprehending the situation yeah. almost. Yeah. Like, he obviously knows what he did was bad. And, you know, he says it that, like, you know, oh, it's pretty bad what I did. But it's it's not... It, yeah, it doesn't seem like deliberately trying to carry something sick and twisted. Yeah. Now, in 1984... Ed Gein died of respiratory failure due to cancer and he was 77 years of age. Now this is a bit that I'm not too keen on. People would visit his gravestone at the Plainfield Cemetery and chip pieces of the stone to keep as a souvenir. I think it's a bit fucking inappropriate. Um, can I, can I just uh, add a little story? Work away. So... This isn't on the same level as that. So my dad went to Alcatraz. Not as a prisoner. Like Yeah. He went, <laughs> he went to visit it. And uh, they was told, you can't pick anything up. You know, because a lot of it was rubble. Yeah. You, you can't touch anything. Which my dad was like, I'm never going to get this opportunity again. And he took a piece of the building like it was just a stone it was just a fucking stone yeah and the first time he showed me he was like do you know what that is and I went it's, yeah it's a stone and he went it's a piece of Alcatraz 
It's a piece of history, Neil. And he actually said, but don't go blabbing it because it could get me in trouble. (laughs) (laughs) Well, like, that's a slightly different situation. Like, I know you're not meant to and all, but he took a loose piece on the ground. These pricks are going and chipping off someone's tombstone. Like, fuck off. Yeah, cunts. So, it escalated from that even. In the year 2000, the entire stone was stolen. Headstone? Yeah, yeah. The entire headstone was took. Um, It was recovered the following year and it has since been kept in police storage. So, his grave now remains unmarked. Probably for the best. Yeah. You know. So, obviously, there's no excuse in these crimes. Um, They were absolutely grotesque in nature. They were, you know, it was horrific. But if Ed had lived in a different time, a more accepting time, you know, maybe he would have sought out gender reassignment surgery. Yeah. It's not, like you said earlier, it wasn't really a possibility to do it. Just because there was the odd case, and very high profile cases of it. Yeah. It it wasn't normal every day for a regular person to just say, this is what I want. I want reassignment surgery, especially considering where Ed lived. It was a very rural community, you know? It wasn't what was done. Do you know what I mean? So, like we said about his interest in gender reassignment surgery, this is just something that I was thinking, could it, you know, could that be a contributing factor? It was reported that Augusta did want her second child, Ed, to have been born a girl. Is there a possibility she could have told him this and it was his way of maybe trying to live up to what she wanted in his own twisted way? Could be, but why did she want a girl when girls were... No oh, way. no, no. It would be different because she would be brought up by Augusta. She would be fabulous. Oh, okay. She would not be like the mother harlots. <laughs> <laughs> now, the other side of this as well, although the materials used are certainly, you know, on the more macabre side of things, l- l- let's not, you know, beat around the bush. She definitely had a skill set. Okay? Yeah. It was, it was definitely, you know... If if he... I don't know if there's any legal way of doing it, but if he if he'd have done that in, like, an art gallery setting... Yeah, I know what you mean. If it maybe had been using, like, pig skin or something yeah. as an alter... I get what you're saying. Um, I, I was going to go even less morbid than that. I, you know, I was going to say, maybe if I had to become a seamstress. <laughs> you know, <if> <laughs> yeah, I'm just going for the... <laughs> stick to the skin. Yeah. <laughs> Um, no, but what I'm just... There would be customers paying oh, yeah, yeah. good money for it. But yeah, I mean, if you're to pair... If Ed had lived in a more accepting time, um, if he hadn't had a more difficult upbringing, yeah. if he had gotten actual proper help for his mental state, you know, yeah, yeah. would any of this ever have happened? You know? I mean, you have to consider these things. People like to kind of be like, no... You're evil, throw away the key. Yeah. You know, a great example of it, I think, is Richard Chase. We talked about it. Obviously, what he did was horrific. Yeah. But you can't... I don't think you can dismiss someone completely. You have to remember that if someone is not well mentally, yeah, it escalates, it affects things, you know. Well, that that's why I, you're not going to really see... Serial, like, 
you're not going to see serial killers to the to the level it was back in like the seventies and stuff. Now, mm-hmm. just for the fact of it, it, it's not just there's therapy there, but the advice everyone should have therapy. Yeah, like yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, whether you're dealing with a serious issue or just to get things off your chest and make sure nothing does start to overwhelm you, yeah, it's a great idea. But yeah, I mean, let's put it aside that, you know, the whole argument of good and evil type of shit. If someone has had, like, if someone's had these kind of more um, violent ideas or let's say they've carried, like a big one is animal abuse in childhood. Yeah. We can kind of keep a bit of an eye on them. Yeah. If we actually factor in mental health and shit like that. And like, so this is getting very waffly. (laughs) In 1958, this was obviously back while Ed was still in detention, his house burnt down and it was suspected to be arson. Um, I think it probably fucking was. And when Ed was told about his home, he said, just as well. Yes. So he he yeah. knew, he knew at this point, you know, it's like, oh, what I did was bad. People aren't happy. No one's <laughs> going to want to live in that house. Exactly. Just fucking get rid of it. Can you imagine if that was still around, though? The museum? Um, yeah. Like, if you look at pictures during the investigation, there's there's people going up to the window and peering in. They want to see the House of Horrors, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, people are fucked. Also in 1958, Eddie's car, which was a 1949 Ford sedan, and that was... The same vehicle he used to transport the bodies, uh, that was sold at auction to Bunny Gibbons, and he operated a carnival sideshow. Gibbons would charge people twenty-five cents admission to see it. And and this is when? Uh, nineteen fifty-eight. Twenty-five cents. That's that'd probably be decent to to look at a car. Yeah, morbid as fuck. Yeah. But I mean, again, people were shy talks. <laughs> uh, this is kind of off to the side, but it's just something I thought I'd mention. Um, the disappearance of Evelyn Hartley. Uh, Ed was suspected in that because he had actually visited some people only a few blocks away from where she disappeared. Um, nothing really came of that. They still don't know what happened to Evelyn. Yeah. But um, I thought I'd just um, include that because it, it it did involve Ed. Well, <laughs> it did involve Ed, but he was brought up in that. Yeah. Now, Ed Gein's crimes have had a massive influence on the horror genre. Films such as the 1960s classic Psycho, 1974's The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and 1991's The Silence of the Lambs. And, I mean, the list goes on. Y- you know... I'm a big fan of Rob Zombie. I fucking love, in particular, The Devil's Rejects. Yes. There's there's definitely some inspiration there. 100%. You know? It, it's just... Horror movies would not be the same today had people not been able to take inspiration from the... You know, make art out of something bad that had happened. Yeah. You know what I mean? Now, something that has always bothered me, and I know it bothers you, Neil... <clears throat> the use of the term serial killer in reference to this case. Yeah. 
A serial killer is generally used to describe someone who has killed three or more and using similar methods to do so. So, yes, Ed did kill two people, but grave robber is just much more fitting term. Well, three people. What? Three people. What do you mean three people? His brother. No, no, but we can't say that. We don't like he hasn't confessed to that. We don't know. That's just oh. you know. I I take that back. <laughs> yeah, no, I I feel as though grave robber is a much more fitting way to de- to describe him. It's 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 the yeah. bulk of what he was doing. Another title often given to Ed was cannibal, and there's nothing to actually say he cannibalized his two victims. Yes, there was an organ found near the stove, but. When you look at the pictures of his home, it it's was... probably the only space left. Exactly. It was in a horrific state. There was stuff everywhere. It was in complete disarray. It was also filthy. I, I don't think the location of this one item had much relevance. Like you said, it was probably just like, there's a space, put it down there. Yeah. Um, when, when you look at pictures of his home, particularly the one where the officer is kneeled down in his kitchen, it, it's just rubbish everywhere. Yeah. Like... You see, like, if you want to go look it up, you can see just how bad his living conditions were. In fact, the only place in his home that was in some sort of acceptable state was that of his mother's room, which he had kept exactly how she had left it. Yeah. People also like to label him a necrophile, um, and that's something that Ed denied, something we talked about earlier. It's, I think it's kind of an up-in-the-air one. Yeah. Um, and I suppose it also depends on your definition of it is that going basically just purely on if there's a sexual aspect or are you talking about full-on like necrophilia yeah i don't know i i just personally feel like a lot of these terms were used to make an already extremely shocking and grotesque series of crimes even more sensationalized and um yeah i think that's um that's our lot on ed Gein. i hope you enjoyed it I think Norman enjoyed it. Norman Bates, there he is. If if you didn't know, uh, our dog is named after Norman Bates, thanks to Megan. It's a great movie. And he's obsessed with his mother. <laughs> he is, yeah. <laughs> so I think with all that being said, that's um, that's Eddie Gein for you. I mean, I really yeah. enjoyed this case. This, you know, like I said, this is one that's always fascinated me. I think always will. If there's ever any more information to come out, like when I watched that recent documentary, it was so interesting to me to be able to hear his voice for the first time because it was like it. It was exactly what I expected him to sound like, but it was still yeah. just like that confirmation, just more detail into who he was as a person. Um, and did you did you agree with me? His answers sent honest. I, like, I I believe so. Yeah. Look, I don't want to be a dick and be like, no, I think this. These people have you know years of experience yeah. and training. Obviously, you know more than I do. Yeah. I'm just some fuckwit with a microphone. But I I, I don't know. I speak think speak for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I I think right. Yeah, you've loads of experience. I have fucking none. But I think it's always interesting to hear the conversation brought up and have um, a debate over yeah. over it you know I think it should always be kind of somewhat open to discussion yeah like for anyone listening if you, if you haven't watched it go and watch it and you tell us 
when they're asking him questions and interrogations, the way he answers, it's just, to me, it's not a liar. It's Yeah, it seems very kind of to the point. It's just like, oh, I'm caught. Oh, and if you're a fan of last podcast on the left, the guys from that are also on it. They're, they seem, um, they seem a bit like myself. They're very interested in, uh, good old Eddie. Yeah. <laughs> but that, that's our lot. Um, I don't have an oddity as such for the end of this episode. I uh, just have kind of uh, something to traumatise you, I suppose, if you're interested. Thanks, yeah. No, no, you already Brilliant. know about this. You already know. You already know the horror I experienced. Uh, and every other Irish person, for that matter. Famine? What I was go- No. What I was going to bring up was Irish road safety ads. Oh, Now... <laughs> It's a doozy. Like the, the fuck, right. The Irish Road Safety Authority, the ads that they pushed out were horrifying. Like graphic videos of people in a car crash, slow mo to them, their head bursting through the windshield and all that. Like yeah. it was extreme. Someone going into the back of the passenger seat. Yeah. And sending the passenger forward. If I remember correctly, they had like the noise impact as well. I, like it, w- it was intense. Uh, there's another one where it's a young couple. Uh, they're like sat on a wall kissing, and then a car crashes into them, and they're stuck between the wall and the car. It's it's is a this hell of a is lot. this an Irish one or am I making it up? Kids sat Irish on the grass, Irish, and a car comes through the yes, bush. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> like the Irish don't play with, with road safety. Apparently, it was intense. So, so you have that for British. It's um, Stranger the, Danger. Oh, I thought you were going to say that electric one. You know, the electricity safety and thing. That. Yeah, that the, the yeah they did a good job on like the um, the tone and that, like the music in it. It kind of makes your heart jump. You're like, yeah. oh, oh, Stranger Danger. Yeah, it's 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 intense. I think that's all the uh, morbid shit you need today. Yeah. So go and um, what should we tell them to do? Go go watch a rom com or like a sitcom or just something easy going and uh, get away from the horrors of Ed Gein and what the Irish Road Safety Authority did to us. And Stranger Danger. And Stranger Danger. Right, cheers for that. Thank you so much for listening. Find us on Patreon, TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. If you have a case suggestion or maybe even your own story, email us at mortalmusingspodcast at gmail.com.